Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. It's just like I've been saying for the past four years. Just you wait for the lightweight men's double skulls in Rio. We're going to win our first ever Olympic medal in rowing. And the lads that will do it will be a pair of brothers from Skibbereen who will charm the nation. I've been saying that, right, Murph? Yeah, I, I, oh, I think fair. that's pretty much what you've been banging. That's the drum you've been banging for the last four years. It is the Irish Times Second Captain's Olympics podcast, Friday, August 12th, 2016. Well done to Paul and Gary. Murph is back. Hello there. Hi Murph, well, you're on holidays. You got back to the office just in time to watch Paul and Gary O'Donovan row their way to a silver <sighs> just, medal there. Maybe. Just in time for the, the the medal onslaught, which will surely follow over the weekend. I was worried after a couple hundred metres, but thankfully Miles Dungan in commentary informed me that the O'Donovan lads are to race starts, Ken, what Liam Brady is to the right foot. <laughs> uh, you know, it's um, they did get a start in there and uh, ended up winning silver. I mean, it well, it was a bad start. I mean, very an incredibly. It was not the, a bad start for them. An average start wasn't the best start, but um, fortunately, the middle and end sections Amazing. were pretty good. These guys have already captured the imagination with their interviews. So let's hear what they produced for T's Joe Stack after winning the medals. Ah, it's fantastic. Uh, we haven't haven't had too much of a chance yet to come to terms with it. Uh, we we wanted to win the, the gold medal and to come over with a silver medal. Like we're, we're just so happy. We can't complain with that. Paul, go from A to B as fast as you can and pull like a dog. Fourth at 500, fourth at 1,000. You pulled fairly hard in that last closing stages of that race. We did, Josh. Um, we're a little bit disappointed we didn't come with the gold medal. I think we put it up to the French as best we could. And um, we died close there at the end, I'd say. And we were going all over the lane. But um, we're dreading going home now because Mick Conlon said he boxed the head off us if we didn't get the gold. So. <laughs> Uh, there was only a split second in it, but lads, you've secured Ireland's first ever Olympic rowing medal. Yeah, we're delighted, you know. Um, we set out, when we qualified last year, finishing 11 at the World Championships, our goal was to win the Olympics. And we knew we'd have to beat one of the best crews in the world in France. And uh, then they went and made their crew a little bit stronger, putting in a new guy um, to come away so close to them with a silver medal, you know. We, we have to go home happy. A very final question for you lads, what do you want to say to the people back home? Uh, we're hugely honoured and so proud to be representing Ireland and everybody at home in Ireland and we've been getting such huge support and we've gained such a big following following some of our interviews. I mean, you know, you've just been asking us questions and we'd have been answering them. People have been enjoying it. So, you know, we're so proud that people, that people are kind of uh, following us and supporting us and that we take great, great pride in that. 
Well, Gary and Paul, thanks so much for joining us, and well, well done, lads. You've thanks done your country much. proud. Cheers. Shukig Arlo. Yeah, you see, when we watched this a few minutes ago, we've <laughs> just come up and we missed that Chucky Arlo. Mm. I'm sure there's probably something being made out of that at this stage. Out in the world, we're just stuck here in a, in a studio upstairs. And uh, yeah. I loved the the final answer. I mean, it was a very earnest. You know, you want me to say something stupid like pull like a dog now, but I, we are actually very honoured and humbled by all of the sport. Thank you very much. And that was the point that I was making to everyone in the room that I was watching it with and thus missed them saying <laughs> Chucky Arlo. Well, thankfully, they kept that, politi- uh, that particular statement out of their interview with the BBC. Apparently, they said, Jesus, we have to be careful what we say in front of these lads. Immediately, have, after having said Chucky Arlo, yeah. which I suppose is... Probably not going to be understood by most of the... Uh, yeah, by the BBC. Chucky Arlo. Yeah. <laughs> Just as well. Amazing emotion shown in the RTE studios immediately after the success by the analyst and, and fourth place finisher in the 96 games, Neville Maxwell. 20 years we've been waiting for this. Um, sorry. That's okay. But they have uh, finally, finally broken the, the duck. Neville, do not apologise. No, that's what we need. At one point he said that None I'm struggling... None of us understand to- what's going on anyway, Neville. What we need is just basic emotion here. Yeah, what well, we do in rowing. I mean, that's the other yeah. thing about this medal. It's fairly simple to work out what's well, happening. Although those camera angles can be deceptive, as we're told by commentators every time we mm. watch uh, rowing. I watch a little bit of rowing on TV. Yeah, I mean, the stroke rate. I mean, that's good, right? We want more strokes. Do we want more strokes? <laughs> it just it seemed like when I was watching the, the women's lightweight skulls just before it, there was a team in fourth who were, uh, you know, with a way higher stri- stroke rate than anyone else. I didn't understand that on. But hey, listen, that's what Neville's here to do, I suppose. So listen, well done to Paul and Gary O'Donovan. Great to have a silver medal it's on amazing. the board before Absolutely the weekend. Absolutely yeah. brilliant stuff there. There was drama, incredible drama last night in the pool. Yet again, two swimmers shared gold in the women's 100 metres freestyle. Canada's Penny, oh, I should have checked the pronunciation before I started reading her name out. <laughs> Penny Oleksiak and Simone Manuel, Simone Manuel of the United States. They dead heated in the 100 metres freestyle. It was amazing. But the big news, of course, Ken, you'll be well aware of this, was the shock defeat suffered by the greatest Olympian of all time. Ryan Lochte is going for it. Pereira is making his run, and Phelps doesn't look like he has this one in him. Ryan Lochte going to for his 13th career medal, saving the best for last. Finally, he's going to do it. Ryan Lochte is going to beat Michael Phelps in this event in the games, and Phelps might not even make the podium. I apologise. I got my lanes mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Jesus. pause. The pause as he looks at Michael Phelps celebrating and wonders, why would the greatest Olympian of all time be celebrating a fourth place finish? <laughs> doesn't make any sense at all. He's just lost to one of his great rivals and teammates. Mm, that's one of the worst I've ever heard. I mean, you know, you can misidentify a player. <laughs> but you know, when it goes on for 25 seconds, yeah. you know, you've got this whole team of how it's just not going to happen. I can only assume that he had him wrong from the start of the race. He must have just had the wrong lanes or something. Well, that's yeah. what he said, yeah. He, he, oh, right uh, from the very start of the... very. Oh, sorry, yeah, that's what he, he was. Will, he must have, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just... Do you want the commentator's name? We need this for posterity. Yeah, yeah I think that's... Elliot Friedman of... Yeah. CBC. CBC in Canada. Yeah. That's Elliot Friedman. <laughs> just in case he happens to be listening to this podcast, his name is getting bandied about a lot yeah. in the world. Elliot Friedman the, is the name the of thing, that commentator. The thing I love about the pause at the end is, instead of it just being complete shock, I'm sure there's like half a second there where... I, 
I wonder is there a way I can get away with this? <laughs> is there something I can say now that will mean that this isn't that big a deal? And after that half a second, he's like, no, actually, this is the worst mistake I'll ever make. They do say that in broadcasting. Maybe this is the same uh, lesson in most jobs is don't worry about making mistakes. Everybody's going to make a mistake. Yeah. Just don't panic. Cover yeah. it as best you can. Admit you've made the mistake, which in fairness, he did because Admit. he couldn't avoid it. Admit. Huh? What about just pretending the mistake didn't happen? Uh, Carrying on as though nothing had happened. <laughs> just continue. Just if he continued uh, saying, and there, and, you know, and Phelps, the greatest Olympian of all time. You know, has had another goal, just as though. You know. Yeah, I think that's actually probably better. Yeah. That's a better option, you know, because then you know, as a as a viewer, maybe you're doubting yourself. I thought he said, but no, it is Phelps. I mean, I'm stupid. I mean, there's me thinking that Lochte had won that race, but obviously it was Michael Phelps. Thanks, Elliot, for clearing that no, up. Just stick with Lochte as the winner right the way through. Yeah, commentate on the <laughs> medal ceremony and say, unbelievable, Michael Phelps. He can't allow Ryan Lochte, his yeah. teammate, his moment in, in the sun. So he's Pool coming. side interview. Taking the gold medal. You're on the you should be ashamed of, you, of yourself, Michael Phelps. The star of the game so far. The games, I should say, though, has been the US gymnast Simone Biles. An all-round gold medal last night in the gymnastics. She already helped her team to a dominant victory in the team event. And there's a few more goals to go for over the next few days. David Epstein, author of the sports gene, is with us now. David, we've been uh, hugely impressed around the world by this uh, this athlete in uh, in the US in the gymnastics what kind of an impact has she had in America huge it's she's she's everywhere between that and Simone Manuel last night I have a feeling uh, Simone is going to be an extraordinarily popular baby name this year in the <laughs> United States um, yeah. no I mean it's been she's been the star of the games you know people are asking the question uh, you know e- even with what's going on in the pool and Michael Phelps and Katie Ledecky, she's been the star of the games. And people are asking, you know, relatively speaking, are we looking at the best athlete that we're going to see in any sport in these games? And where does she stack up among United States Olympic legends in general? So those are the kinds of questions that she's being uh, tossed into over here right now. Yeah, what I found find amazing about this is that I know for people who are following the Olympics closely, a lot of the previews would have centered around Biles, certainly the previews of American athletes. But i got to be honest, I didn't actually know what she looked like until I saw her a few days ago. I'd read a little bit about In passing, I'd heard that there's this amazing gymnast. Maybe that's my own ignorance on the sport. But it's kind of what happens, I think, in Olympic Games. It's only at this time in a four-year cycle that somebody can come, somebody who isn't recognized by a lot of people in the world, can come and within a few days become somebody who will go down as one of the most recognizable faces possibly ever in sport. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing. I mean, you, you mentioned not having heard much about Biles uh, before the games, and that's not totally untrue here in the States either, really. I mean, if you were sort of an Olympic enthusiast like me, you, 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 know, you heard her name, you were aware she was a favorite, things like that. But I would say the average um, Olympic viewer here m- maybe heard her name, like maybe in the week leading up to the Olympics, but nothing like we were hearing the names of, you know, Phelps, Ledecky, even Bolt, and and athletes from other countries. So uh, I think even for most people here, this is a breakout performance. Can you talk to us, David, a little bit about her physical dimensions and how, um, you know, the the greatness that she shows in competition uh, is related to the way that she is physically? Yeah, well, she's she's very compact, which, of course, is, is... typical for gymnasts. If you, if you look at her, and in fact, if you look at um, a number of the best gymnasts from several of the teams competing, you'll notice that they are often 
among the smallest or the smallest on their team. And for Biles, she's certainly the smallest on the American team and very compact and, and also short-limbed, actually. Um, so she's she's four foot eight, um, but that's actually not abnormally small for elite female gymnasts. The, the average is about four foot nine. So she's um, I, uh, I should have I should have converted that to meters for you guys. It's not a no no um, we no we, 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 we use feet and inches like, for height. Yeah, you guys are weird like us. We're weird like um, you guys, Anna. We, we and, go with feet. And so the average is, it's actually shrunk from about five foot three, the average elite female gymnast, to four foot nine over the last thirty years, and the routines have gotten commensurately more difficult. And the reason it's an advantage to be both small and short limbed is sort of twofold. The main advantage is that smaller objects have what's called a lower moment of inertia. So that's just a measure of how resistant any object is to rotating. And so you want less weight farther away from the axis of rotation to make something easy to spin. So if you think of figure skaters, when they spin rapidly, they pull their arms in and it causes them to speed up spinning. Because of what they've done is by bringing their arms in, they've reduced the amount of weight that's far away from the rotational axis. And so if you wanted to really slow them down, you'd put their arms out and you'd put weights in their hands, right? And that would really slow them down. And so you'll even notice with the gymnasts, when they do twists in the air, they'll tuck their legs in to pull even more weight closer to their center of mass. But the smaller you are and the shorter your limbs are, the easier you rotate in the air. And so when you're trying to do some of the things they're trying to do, that's a big advantage. So I wouldn't be surprised if gymnasts even get um, a little bit smaller going forward. I know there was one of the one of the the best performance that I saw from the Brazilian team was um, a young woman who's four foot four. Uh, so I think we'll we'll continue to see that trend. Uh, that is that's sort of interesting because I mean the general trend in, in the population is for height to increase, and the average height for yeah. women in the U.S. is just under five foot five. So four foot nine, the average yeah. height for gymnasts is like two standard deviations shorter, which suggests yeah. that really the pool of, of people who are capable of getting to this level is tiny and maybe getting smaller. Yeah, and it's well. I think it's one of the one of the reasons why you see um, that this is a sport that has uh, for women a, a pre-puberty um, peak, where the kind of training um, that the girls and women undergo actually will delay their growth if they're training really hard early enough, and then they'll grow. So they'll they'll have a delayed growth spurt once they stop training in many cases. Um, so you can kind of manufacture it in a sense with with hard training that delays the growth spurt but but absolutely the more extreme you know just as um guys who are seven feet tall became 10 percent of professional basketball players in the nba that that rules out a lot of people from the get-go is this healthy to train this way i mean is this is this you know, you know sound great, aside, yeah. from, aside from the fact that you know you, you you know you can do amazing things you can do things which will astonish uh People in general, these gymnasts are, are spectacular what they're doing. But is it actually healthy to do this to, this type of training? Is it the kind of sport that you would want? Um, you know, I don't know if you've got any kids, David, but that you would want them to do. It's a, that's a really difficult question, and it, in fact, concerns about it being unhealthy, um, you know, that particularly kind of came out of out of some of the stories sort of out of East Germany and things like that in decades past, led to age regulations in gymnastics. So Simone Biles was too young to to compete at previous Olympics. And it's a little strange because the idea behind the age regulation, so if you remember in the Beijing Olympics, the Chinese team had this sort of scandal where, where it was thought that they were making their athletes look older than they were, which is kind of unusual in sports. Usually you try to make people look younger. Um, and 
the regulation is meant to forestall, you know, incredibly rigorous training at a really young age, but it doesn't do that anyway, right? People just do that training and then wait for the next Olympics. So I think it has basically no effect. Um, and the reason why those young athletes would be more useful is because they're so small. Whether it's healthy, I, I, it depends on the specifics of the training. I actually think, for the most part, um, the training has, even while it's gotten more rigorous in some ways, has actually gravitated be, toward being more healthy. There have been more sort of stakeholders and healthcare practitioners involved and a, and a growing knowledge of how to do hard training um, while keeping it somewhat healthy. But, that, but the fact is, most sports training at the elite level, you know, you're vastly, vastly increasing your risk of injuries, and that includes injuries that could have an effect on you for the rest of your life. So I think it's getting better in some ways, but you know, there's, there's no question it puts you at a risk of um, various types of musculoskeletal injuries that could affect you the rest of your life. There was a New Yorker piece that we mentioned yesterday. Uh, I'll get the name of the writer in a second. My apologies. But the point being... Reeves Weidman, I think. Reeves Weidman, yeah. But uh, but one of the points he was making was that American audiences sometimes, and this probably extends to worldwide audiences, maybe don't appreciate how difficult it is. You talked about the, the dangers aside from what we talk about in terms of how a person is supposed to grow, the actual physical dangers involved in this sport, because, as he says, uh, what a gymnast does, the competitors are expected to perform their routines, he says, without betraying evidence of any effort. Watching LeBron James drive into the lane, bounce off multiple defenders, and then rise above them seems so impressive, in part because James grimaces along the way. He mentions Serena Williams growling, this kind of stuff. A gymnast is expected to risk life and limb with a smile on her face. Uh, Is that, and in fairness, Simone Biles very much does that. She seems to it's exactly what the world probably wants in a gymnast. She manages to pull off all these crazily dangerous maneuvers while making it look like she's enjoying herself. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely part of the culture of the sport, right? I mean, we can see, um, you know, the countries work sort of hard on the uniform. There's a lot to the presentation of the sport and uh, beyond just the movements. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't be, con- you know, I, I think probably if we look into sports psychology, there would be more call for. Um, athletes going a little less toward the grimacing side of things, you know, expressing themselves the way that they need to. Um, But I don't think that's, without knowing what's going on in that particular athlete's head or body, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that they betray um, a kind of outward calm uh, while they're competing. I don't think that's inherently bad. Um, If it's sort of forcing them to behave in a way that they don't like, I, I think it is. But but the fact is, I think there was a, a growing knowledge in sports psychology that we don't, um, you know, that we should fight ourselves a little bit less. And I think when you've learned movements the way they have, like LeBron James is, when he's driving into the lane, he's sort of improvising and bouncing off of people in a way that he's not expecting, whereas Simone Biles is executing something um, that probably was grimace-inducing for her the first time she was doing it. But at this point, it's actually largely automated in her central nervous system and should be quite smooth. And so the kind of um, grimacing or over-effort would be more likely to take her out of something that, that's become smooth in, in her body. What are you expecting to happen over the next few days with Simone? Would you pick up all the gold medals and, uh, and get into that debate that you're talking about, about greatest Olympians of all time, greatest athletes of all time in the U.S.? I, think, I mean, I think she's already in that debate. You know, I think it would... I, if You want to say, just like playing the numbers, that like she'll, you know take one step too many in one event. Um, so, so I'll say maybe there'll be one where she'll, 
um, one where she's expected to, to go goalless or take a silver, but I'm an idiot for saying, you know, betting anything. Even I'd never heard before Allie Raceman, who got the silver um, yesterday, you know, said they asked her what she was hoping for going into the competition. She was like, well, Simone's going to win the gold, so I'm hoping for the silver. You know, you don't usually hear that sort of thing from someone who's the second best in the world, right? Like giving, making it a foregone conclusion that her teammate's going to win before the competition even starts, which suggests to me even the other athletes really view Simone Biles on a different level as well. All right, listen, David Epstein, always good to catch up with you and enjoy the rest of the games. Thanks for having me. The Murph and Mackey for most welcome Irishman of the year goes to Owen McDevitt. Owen, 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 Owen McDevitt from Ireland's second captain show. All up in the into the web. Owen McDevitt worldwide. Second captain. Those guys are like, those guys are like family to me, man. Owen McDevitt. This is Locke. The coolest song I ever heard in my whole life. Owen McDevitt. All of you said I wouldn't make it. Stop him. talking about Tom Finney. He said I was a loser. This guy is a bit of a turkey. <laughs> All right. He said I was a fucking psycho. But look at me now. All up in the interweb. Owen McDevitt. Worldwide. To say, for example, the Barcelona team you worked at, is it fair to say anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course not. Simone Biles is back in action on Sunday. That's when the vault final is on, Ken. This is where the toe crossing comes in. We talked about her one flaw yesterday. Obviously, you picked that up, I think. It wasn't. I think so. It wasn't in that New Yorker article or anything like that. She crosses her toes, apparently, during the vault, which is a bit of a problem. So hopefully that doesn't scupper her chances. Speaking of physical power, Mm -hmm. what about the Fiji Sevens team last night? Just a 43.7 victory over. That was a pretty dominant uh, performance they put in there. It's the sort of thing where you like to get the old gold medal wrapped up nice and early. So within about four minutes of the game starting, Fiji had it in the bag. It was an unbelievable performance. I've rarely seen as dominant uh, performance in a final of a major event um, when two teams have had to beat two teams should be on something of an even footing. I know that Great Britain was more of a surprise and obviously Fiji have been the masters of this for a long time but talk about performing to your best and bullying just looking like you're in a different sport nearly to the other team. The Ross Tucker described the Fijians as the best athletes he's ever seen for coordination, power, endurance agility. He's never seen the range of attributes they have which is good. Yeah, they were pretty bloody good. Uh, I mean, the, the, this this idea that, you know, the, they've got so much natural ability. It's just a case of harnessing that ability. You know, we hear that a lot in the 15-a-side uh, version of the sport. I mean, whatever harnessing has been going on, they just look like one of the best teams in any sport I've ever seen. <laughs> it's more important to get their sport into the Olympic Games rather than trying to make them yeah. world I think class that's, at the 15-a-side game. I think that's a, that's a much better way. They're basically going to eschew the entire... Uh, the entire 15-a-side uh, uh, side of things altogether, which is to be expected, I think, after that performance last uh, night. A couple of stats. Well, one stat. New Zealand has one medal per 894,000 people, formerly the best ratio in this Olympics. Fiji now has one medal per 881,000 people. Is that the statistic? Simon is looking very surprised. You sent me the stat two minutes ago, Simon. <laughs> and you look absolutely shocked as though I'm reading out an incorrect stat. We're, what's he bloody well gone off on one now uh, over? Mm, great win for Stephen Donnelly in the welterweight boxing he's through to the quarterfinals that was yesterday obviously if you missed our show yesterday Andy Lee was in studio and he gave some brilliant insight into the boxing team and its head coach Zor Antia he managed to I think cut through a lot of the hysterical stuff around Joe Ward's defeat we have asked the listeners on Twitter 
our Twitter followers to come up. That's at Second Captains with the best title for this Irish Times Second Captain special bonus podcast in okay. light of the O'Donovan brothers' victory. There was actually there were a lot of entries, a lot of entries, and we are giving away a Second Captain sweatshirt, so that might have. Mm. I think we've worked out over the years that you just throw something free at people and the carrot, yes, yeah. option. Yeah. Our winner is Shifty Shadow with the <laughs> the O'Donovan Rosa podcast. Yes, Ken, that's our winner. Does it make sense? O'Donovan. Do you want to read Rosa. it out? Maybe because if it's not making sense to you, it might make sense to our listeners. Well, there's O'Donovan uh, Rosa. Yeah, and this is O'Donovan Rosa or O W. Yeah. and of course O'Donovan Rosa was Skibberine, the, the great Fenian. Yeah, who, from Skibberine. Uh, uh, I don't know if he was uh, from Skibbereen, to be honest. You can Google away there, Murph, if you want. Well, you know what? Go- Google away there. I've got a few other bits and bobs to do. So, uh, yeah, pretty apt, I suppose, Ken, considering the lads ended their orgy interview with yes. Chucky Erlaw. <laughs> it's, it's all tied together today. My own highlight of the weekend is not going to be Simone Biles. Not any of the Irish in action. Not the track and field, which is getting going. It's actually something that will happen away from the cameras, unfortunately, because there need to be cameras at this event. Pat Hickey's meeting with Minister for Sport, Shane Ross. <laughs> this will be a lot of fun to watch. Right, so Brazilian police, we covered this a little bit on the show yesterday. They've recovered all these tickets that were destined for the OCI, being sold for, being touted essentially by this character, Malin, I've forgotten his first name anyway, uh, who's involved with THG Sports, has been involved with them. They were the OCI's authorised ticket reseller back in 2012. They're not anymore but that's the story up until this point. Now, the OCI have said that their investigation into allegations of illegal ticket sales is progressing. We formally requested the Rio 2016 Organising Committee to pass on immediately all evidence and relevant information from the investigating Brazilian authorities to enable the OCI to advance our inquiries as quickly as possible. In the meantime, the OCI has also recommended to the IOC and the Rio 2016 Organising Committee that if any wrongdoing is discovered on the part of any authorised ticket reseller in this affair then its status as an authorised ticket reseller be reviewed for both 2016 and future games. The OCI strictly adheres to the IOC regulations around ticket allocations, sale and resale. We are treating this matter with the utmost seriousness. So that was their statement updated yesterday. Pat Heaton then did an interview on RTTV with Philip Bromwell in which he reiterated some of that stuff and he also assured everyone there's no impropriety whatsoever from anybody inside the OCA, OCI or himself in the dealing of tickets. He says he has no knowledge as to how this company, THG, came to have all these tickets. He doesn't know this Malin character or anything like that. And uh, they, he says the OCI have assembled a committee to investigate the whole event. But all of this reassurance was not enough for Shane Ross, Minister of Sport, who spoke to Gavin Jennings on Morning Ireland this morning. I think that the independence of the OCI committee is something that we should look at. The committee looking into this consists of the vice president of the OCI, uh, the secretary general of the OCI, and they, they are approved by the executive committee of the OCI. The problem here is that the Olympic uh, Council of Ireland is a player itself. So the first thing I do immediately, I arrive in Rio on Sunday. The first person I'm going to meet immediately that I get there is Pat Hickey, because I want to get the assurance that this committee that's been set up has the has the confidence of the government, and I'm meeting with one with one of my. Does officials. it have the confidence of the government? We will see whether it has the confidence of the government after I have uh, after I've met him and I've talked to him and I've asked him some very robust questions, some of which I've already forwarded to him on Sunday to see whether this committee does have it or doesn't. Have what do you want to know from him? I want to know several things for, for, from him. I want to know about the contract with ATR. I want to know. Uh, the with, detail with of that content management, the yes, ATG authorised ticket reseller. Right. Yes. I want to. I want to know whether the whether all the tickets which were earmarked for Ireland uh, for OCI went to the ATR or whether they went elsewhere. I want to know the, how the committee was picked to investigate this, and I also uh, want to know if it's if it's just taking. We never handle tickets whatsoever. Is what he said. He says they never handled them whatsoever, but. 
we have to know where, whether they control their destination or not. Um, do you have confidence in Pat Hickey as chief of the OCI? I think it would be wrong at this stage to say whether Pat, Pat Hickey is suitable or is not suitable. There you go. That was Shane Ross speaking on Morning Ireland this morning with a lot of questions that he's going to put to Pat Hickey when he meets up with him. He wants to know about the contract with Pro 10 management of the current ticket resellers. So they're obviously a separate bunch to THG, uh, the ones from 2012. Wants to know if the tickets were earmarked for the OCI uh, or how the tickets earmarked for the OCI went elsewhere, how the committee was picked to investigate all this. And it was an interesting line that they didn't handle the tickets. This is what the OCI say. But Ross wants to know, did they have control over the destination of those tickets, uh, you know, saying that there can be a difference between physically handling something and having control over where these tickets go. You guys looking forward to that meeting? I don't think it's... Uh, no word yet on whether it's being broadcast live on RTE or anything like I that. I would like news to now. It's uh, behind the red button. It's, news it's, it's, it's another thing on the Olympics I won't be able to watch because it's behind the red button. <laughs> yeah. uh, we have another uh, entrant into the Let's Name This Podcast mm-hmm. uh, competition. Alex Walsh sh- we th- reckons we should call it Chucky or Law. Come or, on, oh come on. And uh, Keith Dunn, the second captain's O'Donovan brothers pull like a dog cast special. <laughs> this pull like a dog thing, I'm telling you. Limited shelf life. That's, I like it. That's all I'm saying. I like it a lot. What did we go with in the end? We're sticking with the O'Donovan Rosa. Rosa. Yeah, yeah, I think we already have. We've given out the joke. And he's from, uh, he's from Skipperine as well. Walls We're well used to a bit of wind. That kind of thing wouldn't phase us at all. There you go. Ross versus Hickey. That's going to take place on Sunday, but behind the red button. Uh, Bold versus Gatlin. I hope that's not behind the red button because I'm going to be staying up until... 3 in the morning? It's 10.25pm on Sunday night, real so time. 2.25 our time. 2.25. Well, it's, it's late, but doable. But it'll be over at 2.25 and 9.76 seconds or something. Yeah. That's good. Should be, should be <laughs> That's a problem when you're staying up late. I know we've discussed this a lot this weekend. You think of the start time of something. Oh, I'll stay up and watch the table tennis bronze medal match should be good forget that actually it's a best of seven setter and it's going to take a little bit of time to I look get forward to all, watching all the uh, American journalists and athletes turn on Justin Gatlin for uh, dragging uh, the sport through the mud the Chucky brothers from Austin McAvoy that's not bad either you get a sleeve of a jumper Austin we'll cut <laughs> off a sleeve and send it to you how about that okay Monday's pods are going to feature lots of Olympics talk the Premier League will have begun so we'll have a football podcast obviously the hurting semi-finals Murph I know you're uh, looking forward to hitting Croker and possibly Thurlis. Yes. T- time dependent. Time dependent. On. And uh, yeah, so it's unbelievably massive weekend coming up. That's uh, not a bad way to go into it in a pretty good Olympic silver medal winning mood. Well done to the Skibbereen boys. Well done to you two boys. Oh. I'm Murph from Ken. Oh, you've just great today. You've what been are you like saying well done nothing for? really. Oh, just the way you've rode this lightweight double skulls boat to sa- the safety of the end of this podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. What am I talking Thank about? Thank you, Thank you, I might as well wrap this up. What is that? It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys.